The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, As we get started together today, um, when I was growing up, uh, when I was a kid and and I was in that moment where you're just kind of growing in your understanding and who God is and trying to figure things out, I remember that there was something that always kind of scared me. And I might say this and you might not relate to it at all. In fact, I asked my wife if this is something she felt and she looked at me like I was crazy. I said, no. So I might be uh, the only one who feels this, but I remember there was something that kind of scared me. And um, I don't think that the people telling me this meant to scare me. Maybe they did. Uh, And it's not even that what they were telling me was wrong. It's like, like they were lying to me or something. They were telling me truthful things. But I remember the thing that really... I wrestled with as a kid was the fact that um, God knows everything, everything. Specifically, and, and you know, personally as it dealt with me, that means every sin, every sinful thought, everything I've said and done or wanted to say or do or even didn't say or do that I needed to say or do, God knows everything and there is nothing that's hidden from him. That's a scary thought. Maybe it was just me. But I remember um, reading Proverbs. I'll put a few of them up here. Like this one, Proverbs fifteen three: the eyes of the Lord are in every place keeping watch on the evil and the good. And so I got this image of God's eyes on me, never blinking. (laughs) may just be me. I would read a psalm like Psalm 139, which is so beautiful. It says, oh Lord, you search me, you know me. You know, when I sit down and stand up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways, even before... The word is on my tongue. Behold, you already knew it altogether. You hem me in before, behind and before you and lay your hand upon me. Such, one, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I can't attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are, you are there. And so as a kid... I remember thinking, like, are you kidding me? Like, this is crazy. Because um, I knew that even if I could fool people, like, even if I could fool them, there's no chance of fooling God. He knows everything about me, everything. And um, Jeremiah 23 says, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? That's rhetorical. The answer is no. Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. He knows everything. He sees everything. And it wasn't just that because there was also this fear that kind of piggybacked on that one. That um, 
one day, every sin, everything, even the secret stuff, one day is going to be revealed. I mean, just crazy, just crazy. Like um, 1 Corinthians 3.13 says, each one's work will become manifest for the day's gonna disclose it. And I, I remember just thinking that one day everything and everyone is going to be laid bare. And uh, be honest, I remember wrestling with the shame of that. Uh, are you kidding me? Like, and, and I was wrestling with three things as I look back on that. One, number one is that God sees everything and knows everything. Number two is that one day everything will be exposed. And number three, there's nowhere to go from that. There's nowhere to hide from that. There's no secrets. Um, now, again, everything I just said is true. Um, it's straight from the word of God. Um, yet, today I would also argue that... Um, and I need to argue that there is more and that by itself, that is not fully complete. I think this is so important. It might be for many of us, and it's the reason I'm starting with it this morning. The, this might be the single most important thing of the whole morning. You might hear this and be able to check out and it would be worth it. Don't do that though. Um, but this is it. This is so key, the most important thing in, in, in our foundation. And that's why before we even get to 1 Timothy 5, we're finishing out 1 Timothy 5 today. But before we get there, I wanna lay some foundation for us in Hebrews 4. So if you have your Bibles with you, before you swing with me to um, 1 Timothy 5, will you first go with me to Hebrews 4? Um, listen, I believe while you're getting there, I believe that without this understanding that we get from Hebrews 4, it could be very easy for us to just slip into the fear and the shame that I wrestled with growing up. Just walk right into that shame this morning. And um, I, what I wanna do is I wanna head that off right at the beginning as we look at Hebrews 4. I wanna start with verse 12. It says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. How about that? Um, I mean, it speaks directly to what I just put out before us, that God sees all, knows all, his word just cuts and divides and what it does is it rightly differentiates between that which is good and that which is bad. The word of God does that and we, we, it discerns even the unseen, the thoughts and intentions. Again, I'll say it, God knows everything and he sees everything. In fact, verse 13 continues in that theme. And no creature is hidden from his sight. Get this one. But all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Well, there it is. Nowhere to go. Nowhere to hide. For me, this was one of the most terrifying scriptures that I could wrap my mind around. But I gotta ask you, do you know what comes directly after this verse? Directly after this verse, what comes directly after this truth is a verse that I quote all the time, a verse that I have memorized. It was actually the very first sermon I ever preached was on this next verse that follows this, that says in verse 14, since then, 
We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. And why do we hold fast to our confession? For or because we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Meaning we hold fast to our confession in Jesus because he came, stepped into humanity, faced the temptations and all the pains that we face as as humans. He knows what it's like. And, And here's the thing. Should that fact lead us to shame and fear? Does that lead us, like reading that, does it lead us to hang our heads low? No. On the contrary, listen to verse 16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and we may find grace to help in time of need. We're not led to shame. We're led to confidence. We're not led to condemnation in Christ, but to grace and mercy and to help in our time of need in Christ. It took me a while to realize that one of my most favorite and often quoted verses that gives me so much hope and confidence comes right off the heels of one of the ones that gave me the most fear growing up. It took me forever to realize this, and that's kind of, I wanna point out this before we move on. This is kind of how the gospel works. And what I mean by this is that the good news often comes directly off the heels of that bad news. Um, The news of salvation sinks down really deep when we finally understand our great need for saving. Without that, without our understanding of our great need and our understanding of salvation, the good news is meh news. When the bad news is less than bad, the good news is less than good. Because this is right where the gospel meets us, meeting us right here where we are. Hear me? Nothing's hidden. And Christ came. And the point here is that God knows it all, sees it all. Nothing is hidden from him. And instead of that fact causing us to implode or explode with fear and shame, fetal position, instead of that, the fact should lead us to worship. That fact should give us greater confidence in Jesus because listen, here here it is, listen. It is one thing to be loved by someone when that someone doesn't fully know you. It is one thing to be loved by someone when that someone only knows the nice squeaky version you present to them, but they don't really know you. That's one thing, but here's the thing. That's not the gospel. That's not the love of God. That's not what the Bible says about what the love of God is for us in Jesus. It's an entirely different thing, church, to be loved by someone who fully knows you. All of you, the good, the bad, and the ugly. The version, yes, of you that you project to others, but, but, but also the real one that comes out when you're really tired and cranky and hangry. The gospel reminds us that two realities exist simultaneously, and we're gonna build our whole morning on this this morning. This will, listen, in Jesus, you are fully known and fully loved. These things happen at the same time. 
you are fully and completely and perfectly known and you are fully and completely and perfectly loved. And that is incredible because when we grab hold of that, where is the space for shame and fear in that? We're led to gratitude and confidence because we're fully known and fully loved in Jesus. Here's why I start here this morning. I'm about to make a profound statement right off the heels of this. Um, you are not God. Here's why I say that. God sees and knows everything. You do not. I do not. We do not. You do not see everything. In other words, there are some people in your life right now that have secrets from you. God can't be fooled. He examines the heart and he knows it all. You can be fooled. No matter how wise or discerning you are, you can be lied to. You see in part. And let's talk about love for a little bit. God's love is perfect and his love for you is perfect. It's not flaky. It's not temperamental. It's not like wishy-washy here today, gone tomorrow. No, that's not. It's unfailing. It's steadfast. But again, you are not God. And so oftentimes we must repent that our love is not always perfect, that we can be temperamental. God is God. You and I are not God. Now, as the church, we want to walk in wisdom with that. We want to um, ask the Lord for his discernment that we can tap into kind of the wisdom of God as we deal with people and that he would help us see things that we can't see to love each other. In Christ, we pray for that. But as a church, I got to tell you, we are not God and we are not perfect in this. Um, we will miss the mark at times, but we will also miss the mark of seeing things in people's lives sometimes. We don't see everything. There are things that can be hidden from us, not from God, but from us. And I say all of this to set the stage really for what Paul's presenting to us in 1 Timothy in our text in 1 Timothy 5. So, Keep your finger in Hebrews if you have a paper copy. If not, you can just, you know, scroll there real quick. But let go with me now to 1 Timothy 5. I want to read this to you just in light of what we just talked about. Verse 24. The sins of some people are conspicuous. Going before them to judgment. But the sins of others appear later. Verse 25, so also good works are conspicuous and even those that are not, listen, cannot remain hidden. So our text, we'll start with the beginning, says that there are sins of some people that are conspicuous. What does conspicuous uh, mean? Well, it means to stand out, to be really visible, seen by everyone, evident, known to all, plain to all, obvious and clear. So what Paul is saying here is that the sins of some people are obvious, clear, evident, known to all, plain to all. You don't need to be the omniscient God to see that one. Um, some people's sins are obvious. Um, it's what we saw last week, actually, in our text. If you remember in verse 22, um, when Paul is encouraging Timothy, don't be hasty to lay hands on uh, a leader, but... Uh, and he says, don't take part in the sins of others. 
He calls this out. What does that mean? It means that the sins of those others were pretty obvious in the church. Um, Paul was urging Timothy, don't follow after them in their sin. Don't go, don't go left. When they're going left, go right. And, and their reputation preceded them. Their sin was obvious. They had a reputation of sin that went before them to judgment. Now, again, God sees all. So the obviousness, the, the conspicuous, yes, but he also sees the secret, the inconspicuous. God sees. But here's the thing. We as humans only see the visible. And there are um, people and there are sins of people that are, that are obvious and those that are not. Um, Romans 14 says, so then each one of us will give an account before God. And so some sins we have revealed today, and as Paul says, they're gonna carry that sin reputation on to that judgment day when they will give an account. But in contrast to that, Paul also says, but there are other sins. Paul says, the sins of others appear later, meaning they are inconspicuous, unclear, not known, and not plain, meaning they are hidden from others. Again, I want to really hammer this home, not from God. They are hidden from others, from brothers and sisters in the church. They are, they are hidden. So um, let's just see this again. When Paul says, but the sins of others appear later. We know we're not talking about God because nothing's hidden from God now that will appear later. He knows all, sees all. And here's the thing, there, there's no such thing as a, a secret from God like we talked about earlier. What's being talked about here are the sins of people in our lives, the sins that are hidden from us that we don't know about that make themselves known later, the sins that pop out out of nowhere and you're like, where did that come from? That's what we're talking about here. It reminds me of that text. I didn't share this earlier because I knew I was gonna share it now, but this one always rang into my mind. Um, Numbers 32, 23, that says, behold, you have sinned against the Lord and be sure your sin will find you out. I remember hearing that all the time growing up. <laughs> your sin's gonna be made known, right? Um, so I wanna highlight two things here before we even move any further into this text. I think this speaks to two different kinds of people here. Um, two different kinds of people. First, you might be here and you hearing this, you might be the one doing the hiding or trying to do the hiding. You may be the inconspicuous one in the church. You may be a great, I was gonna use a softer word, but I'll just liar to yourself. Um, you may have other people fooled. You might have convinced people that you're one way when you're not. You may be able to hide from others and you may be able to keep those secrets from people, but listen to me, this text is clear. You cannot fool God. You cannot hide from God. You can't keep secrets from God. You can't convince him that you're something or someone that you're not. He knows you fully. In other words, all sin is conspicuous to God. All of it. And the point of me telling you that, if you're that, kind, if you're that person this morning, is not to shame you or push you further into hiding because there is no hiding. The point of me telling you this is to bring you back to the starting point of Hebrews 4 that says, come to Christ, confess your sin, repent, bring the hidden stuff. Those are air quotes if you're just listening. Um, the sins of the dark, bring them to the light. Come and know that you have a great high priest 
who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, who is able to sympathize with you and all of your weaknesses, who was tempted as you are, but yet did not sin. And because of that, because of Christ, you can now draw to the throne of God with confidence, draw to him in confidence that you're gonna receive grace and mercy and help in your time of need. If you're here and you are busy trying to hide, stop it. Confess your sin, repent, because in Christ you are fully known and fully loved. That is you. Stop it. But maybe you're here and you're on the other side. And you're the one who has been lied to, the one who has been in the dark for a long time. And then, you know, these sins were hidden and boom, out of nowhere, they appear out of nowhere. And it's like, they're startling. Listen, no matter how discerning you are, how wise you are, you and I, we live in a fallen world. We are sinners doing life with other sinners and you are not God. And that means that you're gonna get it wrong from time to time. You're gonna get fooled from time to time. You're gonna get lied to from time to time. Um, And so here's the question, what do we do with that? This text brings this to the light. What do we do with that? First and foremost, you need to extend the same kind of grace that you've received in Christ. Um, This is hard to hear, but it's what we do in Jesus. You forgive them. You don't shoulder their sin or take it on yourself, but what you you do is you pray for them, forgive them, give them to Christ. This doesn't mean that you don't also walk in wisdom with them. Um, There are obviously consequences to sin. But I want you to remember again where we started this morning. In Christ, you are fully known and fully loved. And so your call as someone in Christ is to love them like Christ, to know them. To, to know them and to love them still. still. And now, now love doesn't always mean you agree or you, uh, uh, you know, ignore the hurt or the consequences, but it does mean that you love them in Christ. And uh, you and I, we can't do both of those things perfect, the knowing and the loving. I already talked about that. We can't do it perfectly because again, you're not God. But here's the thing, you are indwelled by the spirit of God. And so by the grace of God, your call is to try. Your call is to try by the grace of God, for the glory of God, we forgive them and love them. And then one more thing I wanna add here. I wanna just encourage you that if this is you, as you forgive them, as you love them in Christ, as you give them to Jesus, it's also important to focus on the things that are yours to control in this. Getting hurt by someone is, or lied to, it, it's hard. It, it, you know, um, if you think about it, the, the leaders of this early church, Timothy, all the other leaders and elders of this early church, they could not control the actions. They could not control the decisions of all these people in the church. They couldn't control that. They can control their actions and responses. They can con- preach and proclaim the gospel. They can seek to walk in wisdom and lead in wisdom, but they cannot control the people. The actions of people. And that's the point of this text. They couldn't control the actions of people. And so, and here's the thing, as great as you are, you can't either. As smart as you are, you can't, you can't control the actions of others. You can't control them. You can't know everything as much as we might want to. What you can control is actually pretty minimal and simple. You can control your actions, your responses, your choices. That's the, what else you got? Like, that's it. 
And so when we're, all the other stuff that we're dealing with, when we're dealing with people, we, we've got to let go and give it to God who is sovereign. Um, when we're dealing with hidden sin, we're dealing with a secret sin that has been made known. And when we're feeling lied to, what do we do? I'll put it like this. We remember and reapply the gospel. What we do is we forgive in Christ because we have been forgiven. We love in Christ because we have been loved and we give everything to Christ because we know that he cares. That's what we do. This is hard. That's what this text is pulling out here. But from here, Paul is now going to go to the other side of that coin for us and we're gonna deal with the other side here because in verse 24, he's dealing with sin, the sin that's revealed and the other sin that is concealed. Verse 25, we're now dealing with the good things, the good works. Verse 25 says, so also, uh, meaning in the same way, so also good works are conspicuous, meaning obvious, clear, evident, known to all, plain to all. I wanna pause here just real quickly. This reminds me a lot of Jesus's words when he taught in Matthew 5, that, that famous text that we put on our walls and coffee cups, that, that you're a light to the world, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. You know this text? He says, um, nor do people light a lamp, put it under a basket, but on a stand, it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, listen to this, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. It reminds me of Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he's prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So Paul says, good works, these good works are conspicuous. They're known, they're visible, they're evident. And why? Because they're giving glory to God. But then Paul shows us the other side that says, even those that are not cannot remain hidden. In other words, even those good works that are not visible, are not made known, that are not plain to see or evident, they cannot and they will not remain hidden forever. Just as secret sins don't remain hidden forever, secret good works don't remain hidden either. They will be made known. Um, I want to point something out here. Jesus, I think, teaches this just gives us this wonderful glimpse of this. I just read Matthew 5. Let me put it back up here. In the same way, let your light shine before others, he says, so they may see your good works, give glory to the Father who is in heaven. So here Jesus is saying, do good works, point them to Jesus. Let them see it. Well, just a few short verses later, Jesus is gonna touch on the other side. He's talking with Pharisees who Jesus loved to uh, deal with. And um, these Pharisees who loved to look good in public so that everyone could see how awesome they are. And in verse, or in uh, chapter six, this is literally a few verses later. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Um, for then you will have no reward from your father who is in heaven. Thus you will give to the needy, sound no trumpet, don't you do it, as the hypocrites, hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, they may be praised. Our equivalent to this, I guess, would be um, Instagram it. Don't do it. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. 
But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What? So that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. A few things here. These two passages from Jesus seem to be saying different things, but I got to tell you, they are not in contrast at all. Um, In Matthew 5, Jesus says, let your good works glorify God. In Matthew 6, Jesus says, let your good works not glorify you. Matthew 5, when your good works glorify God, then let that light shine before all men so that they may see and glorify him. Matthew 6, when your good works are glorifying yourself, then let them be done in secret so that God who sees may receive all that glory that you're trying to steal for yourself. Here's the point here. Our good works are meant to point to God, glorify God, and eventually, 1 Timothy, our text tells us that all good works will eventually do that. They're gonna be exposed. They're gonna be seen, revealed. Not all the glory of of those, I'll put it like this, not for the glory of those who did the good works, but for the glory of the one who created them for the good works that they may walk in. It's a huge distinction. There is nothing done out of worship of God, no good work, no done in public or private that will go unnoticed because all good works will be revealed and they will point upward. They will give God glory. And so I was thinking about this um, as a pastor. I've seen this play out and uh, I wanna bring out two caricatures just real quick. Um, I promise I'm not thinking of any one of you. I promise, okay, Two caricatures, but I've definitely seen this in ministry. I'm gonna, two kinds of people I'll call type one and type two. All right, type one kind of person is the person who will do something good and who will post about it immediately and on multiple outlets um, and who will talk about that good thing in every single conversation that you can possibly get them in. They will bring it up. The type of person who has no problem sharing good works with anyone and everyone who will listen. That's type one. Type two now. Other side is the person who will do something good and will not tell a soul ever about it. The kind of person that I will ask, will you share a testimony? And they say, no, can't do that. Gotta keep that under wraps. Um, not willing to get any attention for themselves. Two types of people. I've known people from each of these two types, and I wanna say something. I believe I have seen faithful representations on both sides. In other words, for those type oneers out there, I have seen people who see God do something, even if it's through them, a good work, and they get so excited about what God's doing that they just wanna share, and they don't even care how it makes them look, They just need God to get glory. They need to shine their light before all men and give God glory for all of it that the goodness of Christ may be known. Praise God for those type oneers. I've also seen some type twoers. I've seen people who are just so concerned that glory would go to someone else other than God. And they wanna be so careful not to steal glory away from him. So they just continue to do incredible things knowing that God sees, knowing he knows, and knowing he's glorified in them. Praise God for them. I've also seen not so faithful type oneers and type twoers. 
the type oneers who will share and post everything so that they look so good. Look how awesome and look how holy and look how Christ-like and look how passionate I am. Um, that those who would share under the guise of giving God glory, but really they are quite content if some of that glory kind of misses God and just trickles down to them. They're good with that. But type tours, you don't get off on this one, okay? I've seen some unfaithful type tours here that won't share or post or tell or give a testimony for any. Thing, even if it's an opportunity to give God glory, they will not do it. Type oneers might be wanting to steal from the glory of God, but type twoers, these are type twoers, refuse to give God any glory at all. Both of these are extremes, I know, of something. Um, but here's the thing God is good and He's created us for good works so that we can bring glory to Him. That's why. So that others may see and glorify Him. The good works of those who are in Christ that are conspicuous, visible, known, evident, they are done so that people will see those good works and be drawn to him. And those works that are not, that are done in secret, that are done inconspicuously, even those works will not be hidden because God will receive all glory. God's glory is what's at stake here. And all the good brings glory to Christ and that's the point here. And so what I wanna do, I want to put it all together, and I want us to read our text again, okay? Verse 24, the sins of some people are conspicuous, you know, going before them to judgment, but the sins of others will appear later. So also the good works are conspicuous, and even those that are not cannot remain hidden. It means all things, whether good or bad, good works or the sin, will be revealed. God sees all things and there is nothing hidden from him. And at the same time, you are not God. No matter how discerning you are, there are things that will be and will continue to be hidden from you. I believe um, <laughs> uh, my boys will appreciate this. Um, I'm not gonna quote a commentator or a theologian here because the words of Optimus Prime came to my head first. And so I'm gonna go with it. Um, but listen, if you were to sum up verses 24 and 25, it's this. There is more than meets the eye. You are not God, and there is more than meets the eye. So if you, when you, are walking with a brother and sister in the church, brother, sister, know there is more than meets the eye. You are not God. Optimus is right. I don't know if he said it. I just think of him when, anyway. There is more than meets the eye. But nothing is missed. So in the case of sin on this side, all sin will be revealed, dealt with in Christ because he is holy. Because the gospel is not about hiding sin or ignoring it or sweeping it under some oversized rug so that no one knows. Now, the gospel is that your sin is revealed and exposed, and in that, you are forgiven and loved through Jesus. In the case of sin in the church, the sin of the lives of the people in the church family, the gospel is that the sin will be exposed so that we can know and walk in the grace of God. So we can confess our sins, and we can repent and know that we are fully known and fully loved in Jesus. Now we can love others the way Christ has loved us, forgiving them, letting it go, and let God be God. 
On the other side, in the case of good works over here, God created you for good works that would bring him glory and point others to him that would glorify him. So for some of you, it means it might be wise for you not to publicize. It might be wise for you, knowing your heart, for you to just ease back away from that spotlight and trust that even then, God will be glorified. Do you trust him in that? Who are you trying to please? Do you trust him in that? For others of you, it might be wise for you to speak up, to share your story, not so that you look good, but that he receives all the glory. And ultimately, we trust that God is God even when we are not. And we trust that one day, all will be revealed. All will be um, sorted. And there will be justice and there will be shalom. We know this. We trust this. That sin will be dealt with. Good works will be dealt with. And all will be well. We know that. That's our hope in him. We trust this and we know this in Jesus. And here's the thing. Um, You and I, regardless of how discerning or how perceptive uh, you are, you do not know the heart of another person. Actually, when you get down to it, you don't even know your own heart, let alone the heart of another person. Jeremiah 17 says, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately sick. Who can understand it? You don't know the heart of another person um, As Optimus says, there's more than meets the eye. But we do know that God does know. And we're called to bring our hearts to him and trust his word and walk in the spirit. And um, I wanna bring us back to right where we started in Hebrews 4. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joint and marrow and and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In other words, although we don't know the heart of another person and our hearts are deceitful above all else, the word of God is alive and active and it is discerning and it's why we preach this. It's why we stand on this. It's why we believe that this pierces hearts and we believe that we are revealed in and through this, both our good works and our sin. Because in verse 13, no creature is hidden from his sight, but are all naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must all give an account. We are not hidden. We are conspicuous, visible. The good, the bad, the good works and the sin. And so I wanna end today by coming back to the gospel this morning. Verse 14, so since then we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast to our confession Listen, I want to get to verse 15, but I want to state it differently, and I want to state it in the positive. So these are my words, just stating it in the positive here. We have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. We have a high priest who has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. And because that is true, we hold fast, knowing, verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
God knows everything, sees everything. Nothing is hidden. Nothing is secret. Everything is exposed. He knows you. He sees everything. Nothing is hidden. Nothing is secret. You are exposed before him. You are known fully by him. But church, hear me. You are loved fully through Christ Jesus. He sympathizes with you in your weaknesses. He's faced all that it means to be human so that now in Christ, you are invited to come to him with all that you are, knowing that in Christ, you're gonna receive grace and mercy and help in time of need. Knowing that one day, everything's gonna be exposed. And until that day, we trust in Christ, we love like Christ, we trust Christ with all the rest, knowing we are fully known and loved. Um, listen, I wanna end with a time of response. And... Um, I can't tell you how many times this has actually happened. Um, I love this. I, I really do. I will be working through a text, praying through a text um, throughout the week, preparing and just sitting in it. And Caitlin will do this to me. Um, because she's thoughtful and careful and theologically sound and grounded in this, she will do this to me. And what she'll do is she'll pick a song that just somehow, just like perfectly sums this up. Well, Caitlin... And the team, they did that again today. And so we're gonna end with a song of prayer and reflection this morning. It's a new song. But as we sing it together, I want to encourage you to respond to this text together. I wanna invite you, I'm gonna read the first, or second verse for us before we, we sing. But I wanna invite you, would you stand with me this morning? And um, before they lead us, I want to just read the second verse uh, together. And I want you to just listen to this truth, church. Okay? Listen to this truth. I trust with Jesus, it is finished. For he has paid every, my every debt. No need to pull it all together for what is broken, he will mend. I come to Jesus, lay down my weakness, no need for hiding. Here in his light, this truth I treasure, my peace forever is being known and loved by him.